Frank Walker. How you doing? Good morning, Wayno. I'm doing great, and I uh, just want to say happy birthday anniversary, the big 5-0 to WILI. I think that's fantastic, man. Yes, and we were the uh, the real 14 back in your days here. Do you remember how that real 14 thing came about? I certainly do, because uh, WPOP, which was a music station at the time in Hartford, was 1410 on the dial, and they called themselves the big 14, and we figured, hey, we're really on 1400, so we're the real 14. So that's kind of how that uh, that came about. Yes, you've nailed it. That's exactly what it was. I know. Now you're out of Bristol, Connecticut, and yes. somehow or other you came to Willimantic, Connecticut. What was your background in radio to that point that got you here? Well, I went to the uh, world famous Connecticut School of Broadcasting with my good friend Dick Robinson in Hartford. This is back when they only had one school. Now they have about 30 all over the country. Including some down there where you are, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I, uh, until recently taught at one of the ones in the area here, yes. But, um, at the time they only had one at 750 Main Street, downtown Hartford, which was in the WDRC building where Dick was still a nighttime jock besides owning and running the school. But whatever, I went there when I was in high school. And so in 1970, I sent out a bunch of air, a bunch of tapes to different stations. And they had told me at the time at the school, oh, you'll never get a job in Connecticut. You need experience to go to New Hampshire, go to Vermont. So I got my little uh, 1970 Volkswagen and, and the tooled around all these. One station was even in a barn in, uh, in Rutland, Vermont. And they told me the same thing. Sorry, sorry, boy, you don't have you don't have the experience. We can't hire you. So I just I just started sending tapes randomly out. And one of the places I sent to was WILI. At that time, it was owned by uh, Herb Rice and his family. And Colin Rice, uh, one of his sons, was the program director. I got a phone call one afternoon out of the blue in um, probably around October of 1970. And said, hi, this is Colin Rice, WILI and Willimatic. I listened to your tape. Uh, you sound like you have a lot of potential. How would you like to work for me? And I just said, when do I start? And that, that's basically how it was. It was like a dream come true, Wayno, because first of all, it was top 40 radio. It was the kind of music I loved. And, uh, I was willing to do anything. I, I'd play Montavani records if I had to just to get, in the to, to get on the radio anywhere, I was prepared to do any kind of format. But uh, this worked out really well. It was full time. It was nights. It was like virtually zero money. But I probably would have done it for free anyway at that point. And uh, and that's basically how it started. That was uh, November of 1970. So next month that would be like 37 years when I started. And WILI actually was only 13 years old, if my math is right, at that point. I believe the math is right on the money. And uh, do you remember anything about a tall, dorky guy who was on the air before you? Absolutely, man. And I owe a lot to that tall, dorky guy. His name was Wayne Norman. Yes, he used to do afternoons. In fact, you started the same year I did. I believe you started maybe, what, six months before I did, perhaps? Uh, it was like three months before. I started August 24th, 1970 here. Wow. Okay, so you were you were a, a veteran in the business, though, compared to me. I mean, I was... I was totally green. I saw. I sounded horrible back then. I mean, I'm embarrassed to even listen to any of my old stuff from back then. But, uh, but you were kind of like a seasoned pro. I mean, you had worked. Uh, I think you would have worked in Ansonia prior to. Right, we came from the big time. And you also did college radio up at uh, HUS and stores at uh, UConn. Yep. So um, you kind of you know walk, you know got me comfortable and walked me through. And uh, I'll tell you, if it wasn't for WILI, and I, and I mean this. Sincerely, man, I probably 
wouldn't have had the success in this business that I've had, that I've been lucky enough to have. It was an absolute great radio station because it was just, everything just came together perfectly. I mean, I loved being on the air and kind of like paying my dues, you know, playing the music that I liked and learning and, and getting better as, as I went along. I mean, I moved from from WILI to the uh, <laughs> former Triple C in Hartford. This was when they were they were also like a screaming top 40 station. And a lot of places after that, too, including, you know, all over Connecticut, uh, New England, New York, and I moved down here to South Florida in, in 89 and, and never looked back, to be honest with you. But WILI was such a professional place in all respects. And they had, you talk about a community-minded station. <clears throat> well, back in the early 70s, man, they were, they were the only game in town. There was no, there was no FM. I guess our only real competition, I guess musically, would have been like WDRC in Hartford. They were playing the same music we were. And I guess for news or whatever, maybe WTIC, I would guess, uh, something like that. But, uh, but as far as local, WILI was totally into the community. Now, I don't think we're breaking new ground by saying that some radio people have air names, nom de plumes, if you will. Yes. But very few radio people that I'm aware of have changed their air name as often as you did. You left the Frank Walker name behind in Romantic Willamantic, and just kind of talk me through all the other variations of the name you had over the years. Okay, when I went to a Triple C in Hartford, I was Cliff Kenyon, which later became uh, Cliff Truckin' Canyon, or the Cosmic Trucker. Back in those days, the term truckin' was uh, was a hot term, if you recall. Keep on truckin', baby. Eddie Kendricks. Uh, Eddie yeah. Kendricks, absolutely right. Or truckin', Grateful Dead, whatever. I mean, but it was a big term of the era. Well, I used that name for, for two or three gigs, and then in uh, 1977, I became Smokin' Willie Be Good at 13 <laughs> Waves in New Haven. I got a lot of mileage out of that name, Wayno. I used that uh, throughout my the rest of my Connecticut career, Providence, Boston. New York, too. New York City. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved down here in 1989, uh, much to my dismay, there was already a guy in the market calling himself Willie B. And so I had to change my name again. And being the beach freak that I am, uh, gnarly Charlie fit. <laughs> yeah, well, it really fit for you, too, because anybody who remembers Frank Walker at WILI, the first thing they probably think of, besides an outstanding jock, would be that shoulder-length hair. We talked to Dan Hayden about that, and he remembers that as well. Your former roommate here in Willimantic, I might add, too. What would you uh, describe your hairstyle now? I, I Believe it or not, I look the same. <laughs> if you, can, you, can, you know, if I can give myself a shameless plug here, you can, you can actually still listen to me on... Online, I'm at 97.3 The Coast in Miami. I'm the uh, 80s freak, if you will. We do 80s here. And if you go to coastfm.com, that's C-O-A-S-T, you can click on personalities and you'll see me there. And I look, I look the same as I did, except I get a little, uh, little uh, more mileage on me, but I still got the long hair. Well, when was the last time, for example, you played I Think I Love You by the Partridge Family? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Probably here. It might, it might have been, I probably, well, I, I've done a lot of, uh, I've, I've done some oldie stations over the years, too, so I might have, po- actually I did a 70s station down here in the mid-90s, and I believe we played 
such legendary cuts as that, and uh, and the night Chicago died and Ooh, stuff like paper that. Paper lace, yeah. yeah. Well, so what's an example of like on your air shift today? Give me a couple of titles that you'd be rocking out on there on ninety seven three the coast. Okay, we play all all eighties. I mean, a lot of MTV generation kind of stuff. We're really big on the Duran Duran, Culture Club, In Excess, The Fix, uh, and also like you know Aretha Franklin, Freeway of Love, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, Super Freak, Rick James. We we have a a pretty big uh, playlist of '80s material. Now for a while it's doing, though, it's doing really really well, and it's fun because all that stuff I was playing when they were currents. So it feels like I, I didn't go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Well, for a while you're doing country. When I saw you last down in Florida about eight or ten years ago, you were yeah. doing country, and I don't remember you as being a country guy. But basically, whatever pays the bills, huh? I did country for two and a half years. Oh, I was Mike Rivers in those oh, days. That's right. <laughs> yes, I was Mike Rivers uh, at at the country station. And uh, that was a fun gig. I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, I, I could do bag- basically any kind of format, and I still have fun being on the radio. I really like what I'm doing now, as I liked what I was doing ba- back in the day at uh, the Real 14. Hey, you know, when I went to visit you a couple of years ago when I was down there for a Yukon trip in Miami, you had a great yeah. time with your family and your wife, and Alana, your daughter, who was a big weather freak. She and I sat around talking about our weather calendar and weather stuff the whole afternoon. Is she still into that? Oh, absolutely. She's a she's 16 now, Wayno, and she's a junior in uh, high school, taking the uh, a marine science program. And her goal is still to be a meteorologist. I mean, uh, and she loves your latest weather uh, calendar that you sent down a few months ago. And she refers to it all the time. She loves it. She says, Daddy, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, we'll send another one when it's out at the end of this year for 2008 as well. Cool. So flash me back to a couple of the, you mentioned community things that we had done. And uh, I know one thing we used to do is go and broadcast live from the Home and Product Show, which back then was held at the Armory over on Pleasant Street. What are your memories of that? There's a picture of you at the Armory on our website. I did see that. Uh, the picture of you there, too, as well. I remember that really well uh, for kind of a kind of a funny reason. Uh, we were actually doing a real live remote there. I mean, we had the the turntables and the records and everything out there. Whereas today, most most stations just basically do call-ins or whatever. But this was a full-blown remote, and uh, I remember one of the turntables was sticking on every song, and we had to basically like kind of like gingerly ma- maneuver the. Uh, the uh, the tone arm, or put something on top of it to stop the records from skipping it was really really it was it was freaky. Yeah, usually a penny would work very well. You just, yeah, it, it yeah. weighs it down enough so the arm is heavier and doesn't want to skip out of the groove. But for some reason, Wendo, I can remember the, remember the song "Back Off Boogaloo" by Ringo, which was out I, I think in '72. I think it was a current at the time, so that's probably that's probably around the time that we did that particular appearance. I remember how that that song started out with the drums, and then it went into the well, it didn't go into the it kept going like probably about like thirty forty seconds of the drums. And I said, "Wow, something's messed up here, man." And you were on at that time because you were on first, and then I followed you just like our air shifts, and you were like frantically trying to try to get the thing to work. I remember it was a. It was kind of it was it was kind of strange, but uh, a lot of the fun times in in uh, in radio, man. It's you know it's you have to improvise a lot, and uh, you, you do what you have to do to make it work, and we did, we still do. 
Who were some of the other names that you remember from WILI in the time that you were here between 1970 and 1973? Okay, when I started there, there was a gentleman doing mornings, and it wasn't you, believe it or not. It was a guy named Jim Morgan. Do you recall him? I certainly do, yeah. Okay. Um, we, 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 by the way, we don't know where he is. We weren't able to contact him for this anniversary week. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, hopefully he's doing well. Uh, middays was Larry Davis, who later became our program director. And you know Larry's legacy to this place, don't you? He's the guy, I don't know if it was his decision, but he's the guy that told me, after I've been doing afternoons between uh, August of 1970 to September, October 1971, I took a vacation and came back, and he took me in the back room, closed the door, and we had a little talk, and he basically said, I'm moving you to mornings temporarily. That was wow. in November of 71, and uh, temporarily still remains. 36 years later, that's yeah. quite a temporary yeah. gig, let me tell Longest you. Longest continuously running morning show in Connecticut. You're amazing. Yeah. I'll tell you, you really are. Well, anyway, uh, getting back to the, the lineup, yeah, my, my former roommate, Dan Hayden, DFH, Daniel Francis Hayden, what a terrific guy. We had, we had really fun times. Uh, he started out doing afternoons originally, and uh, we, like I said, we were roomies. We lived right across the street from the American Thread Company, down the street from the station on uh, Main Street. And uh, we, we shared some really good times then. Um, trying to think of some of the other people from that era uh at that time we went off the air at one o'clock at night i was on from eight to one then eventually became seven to one and we used to play a little disclaimer that uh herbert c rice would say something to the effect of at this time wili and willimantic connecticut concludes its broadcast day etc etc and they would end with a star-spangled banner then i would turn the transmitter off and go home basically so that was pretty much Pretty much the lineup at that time. Um, later on, uh, I remember Les Morell came on board to do nights toward, toward the end of my, my tenure there. Of course, he went to mornings. Les eventually sold advertising for us, too. Oh, did he? Yeah. He was nice. here until about 1978 or so. Well, Hayden actually started doing mornings, and you guys flip-flop when, when Larry told you, Hey, bueno, temporarily, yeah. we're going to put you on the morning show. And they temporarily put Hayden on the afternoon show. But uh, well, I know Dan went on to uh, to become a program director, consultant. I believe he's still in uh, in the Hartford area, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's in Kensington, Connecticut. He's consulting not just radio stations in the USA, but even overseas. He told a story about a station in Munich, Germany, that is using his services now. So he's gone from on-air to off-air and uh, still stays in the business. So that's pretty good. How about news people you remember from the early oh, 70s? Oh, my God. Well, that was one of... One of the things when I said the WILI really had their, you know, the, their their whole finger on the pulse of uh, of Eastern Connecticut. They had such an incredibly talented and uh, professional news team. It was headed up by the the legendary Jay Johnson at that time. I mean, everybody everybody knew Jay Johnson. Do you remember Jay Johnson's real claim to fame? And it wasn't just working at WILI. Yes, he was the uh, he was the writer of the classic uh, Blue Christmas. That's it, co-writer along with a guy named Bill Hayes. Billy, Billy, Bill Hayes. Yes, yes. I think um, Jay wrote the lyrics, and I think Bill wrote the music. Is that how it worked? And Elvis had the hit. <laughs> and Elvis had the hit. Yes. Uh, thank you very much. Yes. But uh, Jay was an incredible guy. Everybody in town knew him. Whatever was going on in Willamette, nothing got nothing got past Jay Johnson. And every and if you wanted local news or whatever was going on in the community, WILI is where you tuned. Also at that time, uh, Steve McKay slash Steve Kochko was also 
you know, working working the news department, later became news director. I also recall the name. Hold on, of, just by the way, speaking of that, his name is Stephen Michael Kochko. So that's what Steve McKay became, and he was Steve McKay when he did news here, but his, his real name is Steve Kochko, which he took when he went on to move on to the Connecticut Radio Network, where he still is filing capital reports for CRN, which we run here on WILI. Beautiful. Another true professional. I also remember uh, Bill Bruneau from the news department. Uh, he, he's now a preacher in Michigan. Oh, my God. Wow. And, 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 and well, another one, and here's another one for you, buddy, uh, who was from that same time you were here, and he was one of the funniest jocks I've ever heard in my life, and that would be Tom Lyons, who has also become a man of the cloth. He's now a priest in Framingham, Massachusetts, and he and I are in uh, good t contact with each other. In fact, he'll be down here in studio on Friday. I talked to uh, Tiger Tom on, on occasion. In fact, he listens to me online, and I've done shout-outs to him on the radio. Sometimes he'll listen to me. It's funny because when I was working in Boston, I actually stayed in his parents' house in Framingham and uh, and commuted in. And so he now has a his computer set up in what he calls my old room, and he listens to me down here playing the 80s. And he'll occasionally shoot me off an email, and I'll, I'll say, hey, to my buddy um, Tom in uh, Framingham, Mass., you know. But you're right. He's uh, another phenomenal radio talent who uh, went the uh, the way of the Lord. Speaking of uh, old-time radio, and you talked about signing off, we had a gizmo down in the old building at 720 Main Street. It was the uh, emergency broadcast gizmo, and we had to monitor other stations. Well, on that little dial that you could monitor stations, you could pick up other radio stations, too. Tell us about the nights when you and I used to sit around the radio station here after dark when those West, you know, those mid-Atlantic or middle America radio waves started coming in, and we'd sit there and do what in radio terminology is called DXing, which is listening to stations far away. Oh, you're so right, man. Yeah, well, of course, my early days in radio I was were very heavily influenced by some of the uh, the big stations in the industry, like CKLW in. Uh, Windsor, Ontario, slash Detroit, uh, WLS Chicago, uh, WABC in New York, stations such as that. That, uh, that like you said, at night, you know, the, the signals would bounce off, without getting too technical here, the, the sky wave, the signals would bounce off the clouds, and you could pick up some of these 50,000-watt clear channel stations, you know, halfway around the country. And, uh, yeah, WCFL Chicago is another one I remember, WKBW in Buffalo. I mean, there's so many. Um and the you know this there was like my, my ultimate goal to someday work at uh, you know some of these radio stations and uh, yeah I do recall you and I uh, spending a lot of evenings there saying wow listen to this guy you know especially CKLW was my favorite your long distance driver your long distance driver the big eight and, the yeah. and I think the reason they call it that is because their signal at night was so strong you could carry that one station through several states yeah yeah in fact usually after dark in Connecticut it would boom in, especially in the wintertime when it get dark, dark dark, early, you'd start getting them at like uh, 5 o'clock. And so you'd be able to listen to them all night, you know. And, and sometimes it would be a, literally a grade A signal. It was amazing. Other times, sometimes if the conditions weren't right, it would be a little funky. But uh, but normally that and WLS and, uh, in Chicago and WCFL in Chicago would, would come in loud and clear. And uh, we had a ball. I remember driving home when I when I first started at WILI. I was commute. I was still living with my mom in Bristol, 
nights I would commute home, and uh, I was in my glory just DXing, as you alluded to before, at all these all these AM stations. You know, nobody was even listening to FM in those days. What memories do you have of the checkered flag announcer show? That would be the stock car racing show that ran between my show and your show at 7 o'clock, hosted by... Paul Trowbridge. That's it. I remember Paul. He was a great guy. He he owned a gas station. I, I don't Down remember. on Bread Street, yeah, the A1, the Cooperative Oil A1 it was station. Like right across, it was like you, from the the radio station at the time... It would be like down the road, and you'd make a left, and it was like on a corner or something, right? Yeah, right past the railroad tracks, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, it's been a long time since I've been there, like I said. That's pretty good that you remember that, though. I'm impressed. No, I do remember that. I remember Paul really well, too, because he advertised on WILI, and he did his own commercials. Funny commercials. Very funny, yes. Yeah. He, In fact, he came up with some really creative stuff, and I seem to recall that, that sometimes I would be, you know, like, co-voicing co them for him. One time he did a a dad and son kind of thing. He was the dad, I was supposedly the son. And I, I, rem I remember doing that. So, you know, I, I think it all had to do with his with his gas station, but he also did, like you said, the, all the uh, all the races around the area, Waterford, East Lime, or whatever. He was really he was really into the uh, checkered flag thing. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a really great guy. And you know what his legacy to me is besides that was that when I first came here in August of 1970, he was the first local guy who reached out to me and befriended me. I didn't know anybody here except for one or two people at the radio station I'd known from WHUS. Right. But he was in the building here because of the, you know, taping his stock car racing show, mm -hmm. Checkered Flag Announcer and the like. And uh, I remember he took me out to lunch after I was here about a week at George Burry's College Shop over on Jackson Street. And we've stayed friends through the years. And unfortunately, we just lost Paul a couple of months ago, a month or so ago. Uh. And he was such a good guy. And, and uh, he was one of the guys that, uh, you know, certainly was part of our legacy here at WILI. I'm really sorry to hear that. I know uh, Jay Johnson has passed as well, as is uh, Herb Rice. As far as downtown Willimantic was concerned, what are some of the memories you have of some of the places you used to hang out or go or restaurants, things like that? Okay, right next door to the radio station was a place called the Italian Gardens. I guess they called it IG. There was their, uh, <clears throat> I guess... Italian Garden slash IG, and they had the best meatball subs, from what I can remember. I spent a lot of time there, Wayno, because they were literally, you'd walk out, out the door and just make a right, and they were the next building over, from what I recall, right near the Capitol Theater, which was like maybe a couple doors down. That's right. If my memory serves me correctly. And uh, so definitely the Italian Gardens. I remember the Shell Chateau, because you used to do, when you were doing afternoons, you used to do an oldies game where people would try to stump you on an oldie, and 99% of the time you always got them right, but once in a great while they might get you, and if they did, they'd win, a, I believe, a free gift certificate to the Shell Chateau. Yeah, dinner for two at the Shell Chateau. It was actually less often than that, uh, because I could really control. What I wanted to do, my, my goal was to have one winner a week. I thought, you know, if you hit 99%, that wouldn't, nobody call. But I would sometimes kind of loosen up some of the restrictions on it right. and let somebody win with some sort of a marginal oldie. But the way I used to do that was I'd have the book. I had the book in front of me. 
but I wouldn't cheat. It wasn't like an open book exam. Right. Because there would be times when somebody would come up with some kind of a title, it'd be maybe it wouldn't fit the qualifications. It didn't didn't make the top forty or wasn't the right, right era right. or something like that. And so I would be totally honest about it and I would if I didn't know the answer off the top of my head, I would look it up to make sure and then if I thought that they deserved to win I'd do it. So it was kind of a subjective thing, but we had a lot of fun with that for a couple of years and it was later, a lot of fun, yeah. Later on the shell still burned down, so it couldn't do that anymore. Oh my god, that's that's too bad. I also remember um, Eastern Connecticut State College, which of course is a university now, uh, was right down the street, was it not, from the radio station? Up the street, yeah. Oh, maybe I think maybe you're talking about the Nathan Hale uh, building, which is a it was a dorm for him. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, because I remember uh, right next to the of, hotel uh, hooker. A lot of hot young ladies, Wayno, used to uh, mm -hmm. call the request line, which never stopped. By the way, when mm -hmm. I did nights, there was constant traffic. On the uh, WILI, a real 14 request line. All of those uh, women, by the way, are still hot, I might add. They're grandmothers now, but they're still hot. Huh? Let me t I can tell you one, one quickie little thing here. Apparently, I, uh, I made one of these young ladies who went to uh, ECSC at the time mad at me for some reason. Maybe I spurned her or something. I don't know what I did, but I got a call on the request line one night, and, and the girl just said, Ice cream, ice cream. We all scream for ice cream, and she hung up the phones. I didn't think anything of it. Okay, one o'clock in the morning. I'm walking out to my car. That time I used to park next door. Was there a phone company next door? Yeah, oh. down toward Bridge Street. Yes, there was. Yeah, okay. Well, that's where I used to park. Well, I walked over to my <clears throat> my little um, the same 1970 Volkswagen. I still I had that, and uh, all over the windshield was a banana split <laughs> with a banana sticking in the uh, windshield wiper. Surprise! The entire thing, man. My windshield was just smeared with a very tasty-looking banana split. It would have been a lot nicer if somebody had eaten the thing than than uh, dumped it on my window. But uh, they don't do that in Florida, do they? Oh no, no, they 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 do other things here. But uh, but uh, I, I do recall we had a lot of real loyal listeners. Uh, some of the names I can even recall too, which we won't get into at this time. But uh, a lot of great people and. If they're listening now, um, hey, you know, thanks for the memories. Now, at your <clears throat> advanced age and you're 37 <laughs> years in radio, yeah. how much longer are you thinking about spinning the, well, I guess now it's CDs or whatever digital form you nah, use? Nah, we're all computerized now, man. The, um, I, still, I still love doing it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, st I still really enjoy being on the air, and uh, until I until that love goes away, I guess I'll continue to do it. You know, they they kick me out and say you're done. Yeah, we'll find a guy with shorter hair. You know, well that could be too. I've been down to see you a couple times in Florida. I believe, Mister Walker, the ball is in your court. Now it's your turn to bring the family up here to the radio roots of Gnarly Charlie. We need to get up there. You're right. I haven't. I haven't been in. Uh, we used to call it the Thread City. You remember my my clothes used to be Rock On Thread City. <laughs> That's right. At the end of my show, at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, I haven't. I I think it's probably been since the uh, maybe like the seventies, maybe early eighties that I was in Willamette. Wow. Great, great city. I mean, great memories. Well, it's time to get you back. Meanwhile. Good to hear from you, my friend. And uh, well, well, when once I get again, to... congratulations to you, man. I mean, you know, I mean, all the years. I mean, congratulations. The big five zero for WILI is quite an achievement.
but 37 years at one radio station, you know, and uh, you've, it's, it's just amazing what you've accomplished. So you should, uh, I hope hopefully people are applauding that right now as well. Because you've been there for all but 13 years of that, uh, of the life of that radio station. 